Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Well, good morning, everyone. And it is so good to just uh, be here. Uh, my name is Clay Bomar, and I'm pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in Springfield, Oregon. My wife uh, and I live in Eugene, which is right next door to Springfield. And it is so good to be here uh, this morning, uh, especially here in the month of February. Uh, four years ago, uh, in 2018, my wife had a double lung transplant. And God uh, spared her life. Uh, she, yeah. She is alive, she is healthy, and this church uh, was very instrumental in helping us in the recovery because we had it up here when she had it for the next four months we were here. So Sunset is really our, our Washington church home, and so when we come here, this is home for us. And so some of you guys don't know us, but for all that you do know us, it's so good to see you guys, and we're just so blessed to be here. So we'd like to read a scripture for today, that's Romans, the 10th chapter. Uh, verse 9 through 15, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news to the gospel of good things. God Amen. bless you. Amen. Thank you both. So good to see you. Always a treat when Clay and Phyllis are in town. I can't believe it's been four years. Amazing. Well, this morning we are uh, going to wrap up uh, what has been a special emphasis on missions in this last month. Um, and what we've been trying to do this last month for us as a church is to uh, expand our understanding of who God is and the world that we live in. Um, our definition that we've been using for missions is this. Missions consist of the activities of God and his representatives to bring humanity back into fellowship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we've spent these last few weeks looking at some of our core beliefs as Christians. We know, number one, that God is good. He made us in his image, and he made all of his creation to reflect his goodness. This is a core Christian belief. We also know that the effects of sin are real. While the goodness of God still remains, that goes unchanging, humanity in its sin has distorted the image of God. It corrupts the good things of God's creation. 
And last week we talked about this, how, how this manifests itself in both us personally and in our world. And I could not have imagined what would happen just a few days after we talked about this last week. As Russia invaded Ukraine, just yet another sign of the sinful, evil brokenness of the world that is present in humanity. So God is good, but the effects of sin in this world, both personally and in all of humanity, are real. But the other thing we know, Jesus is good. Because he is God in the flesh who came into our space, he gave us forgiveness and redemption. He didn't just pat us on the head and say, bless you, son and daughter. Good luck. He then takes us and he changes our perspective. He gives us a new hope and a new life. And that's what we've been singing about this morning. This transformation that Jesus offers us happens from the inside out. So God is good. The effects of sin are real, but Jesus is even better. And so God is this missionary God. We talked about this a few weeks ago. He's a missionary God. And we, who have been redeemed by the work of Jesus, are called to be a missionary church. Missionary church. And the church has been a missionary church. In the name of Jesus, and for over 2,000 years, Christians have gone out to tell all people about the God who saves. And they've demonstrated this saving grace, both in word and in deed. We see this continually demonstrated through the compassion of God's people, as they've both shared the message of God and demonstrated it. So when the church is, is not being pulled by whack political motivations or caught up in culture wars, the church of Jesus has led the way in society in taking care of the sick and the hungry, in looking after orphans, and engaging in relief work. They have been a manifestation of the goodness of God, of the compassion of God. And so followers of Jesus, us today, we care both about the body and the soul. And we will do whatever it takes, go wherever we need to go to make sure that people know about the God who loves them. One of the words that the Bible uses so much for this going is this word witness. Witness is this idea of uh, having experienced something and telling other people about it. The original word, the Greek word that is translated into the English word witness is the same root word of the word martyr. And so Jesus tells his followers, I want you to be witnesses for me. I want you to go wherever people are that have not heard about me. All four Gospels and the book of Acts record this command of Jesus to go. You see them in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them commanding his followers to be witnesses of him to a world that desperately needs to know him. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus gives a, a description of how this witness will reverberate out of Jerusalem to all humanity. Think of it like a ripple in a pool that just goes on to the very edges. Jesus said this to his followers. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. The picture here is of this outward ripple. Those of us that didn't grow up in the Middle East, maybe this doesn't resonate with us quite as much, but the, the picture here is like Renton, the United States, Canada and Mexico, and everywhere else. That's what Jesus is saying. I want this message to go out. 
So Jesus shares these words, some of his very last words with his followers. And then after he says this, Jesus left. The Bible gives us this picture of Jesus ascending to heaven, this visual demonstration of a spiritual truth that Jesus is going to be with God. And so Jesus commands his disciples to wait, to wait in Jerusalem till they receive this power. And so his, his followers cruise back to Jerusalem and they wait and they pray. And then the promise of Jesus comes to pass. The Holy Spirit shows up. If you've ever read Acts chapter 2, the disciples are in the room and it says, oh, a sound like a rushing wind and then tongues of fire, these symbols of the Ruach, the Holy Spirit of God coming and meeting them. God, Jesus kept his word. And then from there, it's amazing. I encourage you to read this later in Acts chapter 2. But the disciples, they spill out of this upper room and they begin to preach the gospel. They begin to share about who Jesus was and all the people in Jerusalem that heard them that came from different parts of the Roman Empire that had different languages, just like in our church today, they all heard it in their native tongue. There was like an instant translation happening. And so from the very moment that the church began, these witnesses of the gospel of Jesus began to, to go out in his power. Now, I grew up in the church. I'm a worship leader's kid, which is almost as bad as a pastor's kid, uh, or almost as good, I mean. Uh, uh, so I spent a lot of time around the church, and I heard missionary stories, and I, I, we had groups like YWAM come and share at my church, and, and, and I heard all these things, and it always sounded so far off. It, I might as well have been reading a, a, another story from the Bible. It sounded mythic, even. Even though they were telling me it was happening today, I was like, could it really be? Does God really still work like that? I haven't seen it in my neighborhood. I've only seen glimpses of it in my church. Does God still work that way? At the age of uh, 18, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. My family had kind of fallen apart through divorce. And I thought, I just need to get away for some time. Now, I grew up in a small town in Northern California, 80 miles from the border of Oregon. Uh, I had never traveled anywhere growing up. I'd been across the border once in my entire 18 years. And so I was thinking about what, what am I to do with my life? And a, a, a friend of my dad sent me some information about this organization called YWAM, Youth with the Mission. He sent me a book. Uh, and in the book had all the locations where you could engage with a discipleship training school all over the world. And I was very spirit-led. I said, oh, look, there's one in Hawaii. I think I'll go there. <laughs> I really wish I could tell you something cooler, like God said it to me, or I saw, I know. I said, wow, I think I'll go do this thing. I don't even really know what it is, but I get to live in Hawaii. Sounds good. So I saved up some money. I moved to Hawaii. I, uh, I engaged with the discipleship training school. The first few months uh, were awesome, as I got to meet people from all over the world. And then uh, our school leader said, okay, well, the second part of our discipleship training school is going to happen pretty soon. It's where we go and tell people about Jesus, and we're going to go to a different country. And, and uh, they said, Andrew, you get to go on the team to Hong Kong. I said, Hong Kong? That's a real place? <laughs> I mean, I had heard about it. I remember seeing a Looney Tune picture when I was a, or a Looney Tune cartoon when I was a kid where Tweety Bird dug through the earth to the other side of the earth, and there was China. 
And I thought, I get to go to the other side of the earth. And so I get on this plane and I go with a handful of students from uh, our discipleship training school. And we went to Hong Kong. And uh, just the year before, Hong Kong had been handed back over to, to the Chinese government. But it was still kind of its own entity. Very, it felt very British. Um, very clean and beautiful city. Still one of my favorite cities. And so we were there and we were doing sports ministry and we were teaching English and we were sharing our faith. And uh, my team, uh, the team of eight of us said, man, wouldn't it be so cool to go into actual China, like into mainland China, to go share the gospel there? Now, those of you know, China is not an open country. You can't just be like, hey, I'm going to go and share the gospel in China. It wasn't then, 20 plus years ago, and it still isn't today. Um, and so we didn't have any contacts in mainland China. Um, we had one member of our, of our team whose grandma had taught him a little bit of Chinese growing up. Uh, and we thought, well, let's just pray. If God wants us to go, we'll go. And so one night we sat down in a circle and we said, Lord, we'd really love to go to China. We feel like you, you want us to go to China. Where should we go? And we had a map open and a travel book open. And we began to pray and pray and pray. And it's kind of like a little kid asking their parent over and over for the same thing. So we'd pray and be like, anybody get anything? No. Oh, let's keep praying then. Asking God, God, could we go? Could we go? Could we go? After a little bit of prayer, um, somebody said, I have a picture on my head. A picture of these really kind of unique mountains. And so we start looking through the travel book and we can't find any unique mountains yet. So, oh, we need to pray some more. Somebody said, a minute later, I have a picture of a, of a really big river. So we look for mountains and river in the travel book and we can't find anything. And then somebody else on our team says, I got a name. I got a name. Chun King. And we're like, like the noodles? Like the, what are you? <laughs> At this point, we're all kind of doubting, you know, whether God's really going to allow us to go. And so we look, in, we look on the map and we don't see a Chun King, but then we look in the travel guide and we, we find Chun King we find the, the correct pronunciation is Chongqing. It's a city of 7 million people. And as we narrowed down in the city, we began to look, and right around the area of Chongqing has these really unique mountains. And it has this massive river that flows near it. And we thought, that's it! We're to go there! That's where God's calling us to go. So we, so ignorant, teenagers, <laughs> we booked train tickets, 36 hours from Hong Kong. And we get on the train, and we're on our way to Chongqing to tell people about Jesus. Nobody speaks Chinese. We've never been there before. And on the way there, we meet a, a, a person on the train who speaks a little bit of English, and he says, where are, you, where are you going? And we said, we're going to Chongqing. He said, what are you going to do there? We said, we don't have any idea. We were, we're kind of nervous about whether we should tell him if we're going there for Jesus or not. And he says, well, when you get there, you should go to this university that trains teachers. He said, they might allow you to stay there, and there will be people learning English so you can have conversations. And we're like, great. And he says, here's the address, and he writes it in Chinese. So we get off the train. <laughs> we get off the train, and we have an address, and we're hoping it's, he's, it's legit, it's not a trap. And, and we hand it to a taxi driver. And we drive 45 minutes in the back of these, these trucks, and we don't know where we're going. And we get off the, these, out of these trucks, and we step out. And I remember praying. I said, okay, Lord, we're here. <laughs> what now? And right as I finished praying that prayer, two students walk up, and they say, can we help you? <laughs> and they spoke English. What happened next is the next two weeks, we lived in this university. And we began to connect with students uh, that, that live there in the university. Now, one thing you have to know is 
white folk like myself don't go to Chongqing. And so we stuck out a little bit. Uh, and as we were walking around the university one day, we, me and my friend, we see some guys playing basketball, which is a universal language, if you didn't know that. And so we motion, can we shoot with you? And we begin to shoot hoops with them. And then a professor comes up, and he speaks some English, and he says, oh, are you from the United States? And we say yes. And he goes, NBA, NBA. And we go, yeah, that's us. <laughs> and he says, he says tomorrow, uh, would you like to come and play basketball? And we're like, like in a, an organized game? He says, yes. So we look around on our team, and not everybody plays basketball on our team. We're like, well, we can get a team together. So we get a team together. And the next day, we come out to play basketball. And the guys are wearing jerseys, and they're doing layup drills. And we're like, oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, I'll show you a picture. This is our team. Can you recognize me? I am in that picture, believe it or not. <laughs> so we begin, to, we begin to play basketball. Uh, <laughs> yeah, be like, what? My own kids don't even recognize me. <laughs> so we begin to play basketball. Uh, we begin to play basketball, and the word travels fast in, the, in this university that the NBA is in town. <laughs> and so you can see hundreds of students just line up to watch us play basketball. Uh, I wish I had a panorama, but there is the, whole, the whole court was, was encircled with students from the university. So we played for, we played for three days. Uh, every day we played a different team. We got wiped off the floor every time. Um, <laughs> but while we were playing, playing basketball, some other members of our team were connecting with, with students uh, in the crowd. And then we found out that there was a, a, a hidden Bible study that was happening on the campus because you can't publicly have Bible studies. And we got invited to go and pray with, with uh, an underground Bible study at this church. And then one day one of, us, one of our team members began to share her faith with a, a student who was learning English that was watching us play basketball. And she gave her life to Christ. We brought Bibles in, um, which were not, is not, was not legal uh, at the time, and we were able to give them to the members of the Bible study so that they could continue to learn God's word. And I think back in that moment, and I think back on how stupid it was <laughs> that we would do something like this, and yet how gracious God was in his faithfulness. For those that respond and say yes to him, watch and see what he'll do. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no denying it. One of the things that I learned through that time was that I could take something that I loved to do, play basketball, and I could use it for the glory of God. I could use it to make God known. So as we just read in Romans chapter 10, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So I'm going to be honest. While I did want to cross up some dudes on the basketball court with my feet, <laughs> more than that, I wanted to use my feet to go where God had called me to go. And I still do. I still do. But I'm going to be honest, sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget about moments like this. It feels like a different life, a different story. Sometimes I, I get lazy, and I get comfortable, and I get apathetic, and I think, okay, I have a message to prepare this Sunday, and we have church events to do. we got things that we got to organize. And I forget about the call to make Jesus known. And it's embarrassing to admit that a pastor would say that. 
but it's easy to settle into a comfort zone and, and just go through the motions, go through the, the Christian motions. I, I'm at the tail end of a master's degree in intercultural studies right now, and one of the classes I had to take through my seminary was a class called Basic Evangelism. And honestly, when I saw it, I go, Basic Evangelism? I have traveled the world! I preach every Sunday. What do I need to, to go to a basic evangelism class? I had the worst attitude ever. And then as I started the class, the, the professor said, as part of this class, you're going to do what we're learning. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. He says, you're going to share your faith with people. And it was so humbling because I realized I had settled into a, a place, especially as a pastor, I'm like, why well, share my faith every Sunday to Christian people? Do I share my faith with those that don't know Christ? And so I was challenged to be, and this is the key, church, to be intentional, to actually take the call seriously. I lived next door to, a, uh, to one of our neighbors for two years at this point, and I'd never shared my faith with him. So I did. <laughs> one Sunday, we were praying upstairs before a worship service, and I saw a drug deal going down across the street. And I thought, what a great time to go share my faith with some guys. And so I did. And you know what? It wasn't that hard. But it took being pressed, being challenged to be intentional, to, to consider my role as a Christ follower to be a witness. And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples. That's why it's recorded in all four Gospels. That's why it's some of his last words. I want you to be my witnesses, to tell people about me. God wants us to do this, and he wants us to do this by the power of his spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be my witnesses. Now, I grew up in a charismatic, a very Pentecostal church, and I often think of the Holy Spirit, its main role is to, to give me an emotion, to make me have an experience, to, for me to go away and go, wow, that was weird or crazy or cool. But the, the main role of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is to empower his people to be his witnesses. Every time where you see the Holy Spirit come on his people, it is so that they might tell others about Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit. And God has always wanted people to be filled with his spirit. He's always wanted to have that kind of relationship with them. Numbers 11, we see Jesus, or we see God talking to Moses, and he says, I'm going to give your leaders the spirit. I want them to be led by it. Joel chapter 2 in this prophecy says, in the, in the last days, your, your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days. This has always been the heart of God. And so then Acts 2 comes along, and this, this promise comes true, and all the disciples of Jesus in Jerusalem receive the Holy Spirit, and the church does what the church is supposed to do. And this reminds us of what John the Baptist had said when he first saw, or before he even saw Jesus, Matthew 3 records this. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Church of Jesus was never meant to be a country club, but a community of folks that were on mission to be a part of the redemption of humanity. And so by the Holy Spirit, we go. But we're not the only ones going. In Asia, the message of the gospel has taken root so strongly in South Korea that even though their population is only one-seventh the size of the United States, they send out as many missionaries as we do. 
In recent years, the church in Brazil has exploded, and so one-third of global missionaries that come out of Latin America come out of Brazil. In Eastern Europe, guess which country sends the most missionaries? Ukraine. Ukraine. And this stuff doesn't happen without the people of God. And it doesn't happen without a move of, the, of God's spirit. So this morning, we've got a room full of people, a people of God. And I don't know about you, but I am totally down to hear him. I am totally down to go where he wants me to go. I'm totally down for a movement of God in our city, in our church. We need to acknowledge some obstacles, though. We need to be honest with ourselves. What's keeping us from telling people about Jesus? What's keeping us from doing it? Is it fear? What will people think? That's legit. I understand that. Could I lose a relationship? Could I make a relationship awkward? Sure. If I tell people about Jesus, about the faith that I have. Is it apathy? Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. The, the truth is that each of us have something that people need, and you may be the only one that is put in a position to share it to them. You may be the only server at that coffee place that's a believer that can extend a message of hope to people. You may be the only student in that classroom. You may be, only, be the only neighbor in your neighborhood. So are you a musician? Are you in business? Whatever it would be, God wants us to use that for his glory and for his purposes. There is something powerful about going, about being intentional. I, I think every single Christian should engage in intentional ministry that is outside of their comfort zone. Maybe for you that means going to a different country. I'll tell you what, I, I can't tell you how many people, when they have gone overseas for the first time to share their faith, they have come back going, oh, I can do that here. Oh, look what God did when I was there. I know he can do the same thing here. When we pour out our lives in that way, God pours into us something fresh and something beautiful. So I think every Christian, every single Christian should engage in intentional ministry, whether that's serving here locally or going internationally. But I also acknowledge not everyone is called to go internationally. But I will say this, everyone is called to participate in international missions work. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So let me just give, as we wrap up here, let me just give five ways that you can participate in international missions work. Except for I didn't put it on the screen. Did I, did I forget that slide? I did. So you're just going to have to listen and take notes. You all do that anyways, right? <laughs> I'll make sure to post this later. But um, the first way that you can be a part of international missions is you can go. Short term, long term, Go. Whether it's through an organization like Youth with a Mission, through the International Mission Board, which our church is affiliated with, or through others, go. And we're hoping as a church, as COVID starts to lessen in the world, that we're going to also be able to offer some opportunities through our church in the next year or so 
for you to be able to go. The other thing is that you can be a part of sending. What does part of sending look like? Well, missionaries always, they always do this when they're telling you about what they're going to do. Would you support me? I mean, prayer is great. What they really could use, though, is financial support. <laughs> they could use both. Both are equally important, and we'll acknowledge that. But you can't go if you don't have the resources to go. So sending people, part of that is, is supporting them financially. Jessica and I, we have done this for uh, ever since we were married. We support two different couples that are involved, engaged with international missions. So go, send. The other thing you can do to, to be a part of international ministry is you can be a welcomer. You can open your home to your international neighbors. Now, we're blessed. Uh, we don't have to even try very hard to meet somebody from somewhere else in our city. A minority-majority city from people all over the world. So we have an opportunity right here in our neighborhoods to be welcomers, to connect with folks from different countries. The fourth thing you can do is to mobilize. That is to share the vision, to, to, to come alongside people and say, did you know, to help them be intentional in their going. And then lastly, to pray. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, and it is still so true today, to ask God to send laborers. He says the harvest is there, but we need workers to reap the harvest, more people to go. And so we need to pray and ask God to send more folks. So you can go, you can send, you can welcome, you can mobilize, and we should all be praying for sure. So there's no reason for us to not engage with missions. So what's your obstacle? What's your obstacle to being activated for the mission of God? It could be something similar to mine where you grew up in the church and you're just kind of going through the motions. You're, you're apathetic about it. It could be fear. It could just be not knowing what to do. What's your obstacle? Identify that obstacle. And then ask God to show you what steps you need to do to overcome that obstacle. And I'd be missing it also if I didn't talk about the biggest obstacle. Uh, the biggest obstacle to going, to in, engaging with this, is if you are not connected with God at all. That's the biggest obstacle. Because you, if you haven't received what Jesus wants to freely give you, which is forgiveness and freedom, then you are the mission. You are the reason that the church exists. You are the reason that Jesus came. He died for you. He loves you. He wants you to be forgiven and redeemed. Jesus didn't say that he was a way, kind of the truth, one option for life. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And in our postmodern culture, which everything is fuzzy and you don't want to offend anybody, we need that kind of certainty. And Jesus gives it to us. Nobody else does. No other place will you find that kind of certainty. And through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, you can be redeemed and transformed. We'll end with what Clay and Phyllis read. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that God sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. And he is the only way to truly live in knowing him and receiving the transforming life that he has to offer you through Jesus. And I'm pretty sure that there is a room full of people here this morning that also want that for you. If so, please say amen. 
Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.